0: The following message, entitled, Glorification, Resurrection, and Heaven, was given by Tom Kurtz on the 22nd of June, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Well, at the announcements, I introduced Tom Kurtz as a guest speaker. He's, He's really not a guest speaker. Um, He once was a pastor on staff here as well in the year 2007-2008. He's a good friend of mine. We try to meet um, monthly, either I go to Altoona or he comes to Indiana, just to be experiencing fellowship with one another, praying for one another. He is a dear friend. He loves the Lord. He loves God's Word. He's a real gift to, to preach it. So can we welcome him as he comes up? We will be moving throughout the Bible here today, but let me begin with prayer. And by way of prayer, I want to begin with Psalm 133. So join me in praying. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, and down in the collar of His robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Life forevermore. Thank You, God. Thank You for Your grace to us. Thank You for in Your grace Making known yourself to us. Thank you for your word, which shows us who you are and your desires for us. And I thank you for this particular word, which I cannot read without thinking about this church. How? How good it is. How refreshing. How sustaining. How precious. What a glimpse of life forevermore. So I thank You for these, Your saints. I thank You for this, Your church. I thank You for... The partnership that we enjoy with this church. Thank you for the unity that you establish by your truth. Lives that are transformed by the gospel of your grace. I have benefited so greatly. And I ask you now, Lord, I ask you, Holy Spirit, God, to attend your word this morning. To teach us and instruct us, I ask you for gifts over top and again of what you've already brought to us. I need you, Lord, to give gifts in preaching in particular so that we might hear from you and your word, so that this, your church, might benefit from seeing you, knowing you glorifying You. And we ask You, Holy Spirit, as well, to work in the hearts of those who have yet to trust in Christ as Savior. May even now, in what they witness in Your church and hear from Your Word and by the conviction of Your Spirit, may they see their need of Christ and turn away from their sins and trust in Jesus as Savior. We ask all this, Lord, with great expectation, great hope in You, and for Your great glory, O God. Amen. We're going to begin in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Thank you, Joe. And we will be in some other passages as well. But you can turn there to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as we talk about glorification, resurrection, and heaven. Glorification, resurrection, and heaven. My wife, Jody, and I look forward to road trips. We just returned from one. And uh, what we do, we're, we're kind of old school. Actually, some people call me a dinosaur. Uh, what we do in preparation for road trips is we contact TripAway to map out our trip. Uh, we don't go by GPS. We go by map. And what we do is we get them to supply us with tour books. And so we read up on attractions and opportunities. And we talk about different things that we would like to do. Um, and then we load up with water and Adventures and Odyssey CDs and special snacks for along the way. We try to anticipate the equipment and food. And then we begin to stage out the packing. And, and it's kind of odd, but, but I find that the preparation process actually energizes us. And what happens is that in the preparation, we begin to look forward to a special trip in a special place. Now, there are going to be some unknowns that we're going to encounter along the way. uh, But the plans draw our attention away from our everyday activities and challenges. That's what it seems like. but, But I think in actuality what happens is that our everyday is drawn into the intentionality and deliberateness that this endeavor requires. You see, our future destination, this desired place for us to be, gives perspective and purpose to our present living. And that might sound deep to you, because it is what hope is. That's what hope is. That's the way hope functions in our lives. And and, and here's what I hope today for us is that if a family vacation can kind of stir hope, how much more so should a vision for heaven have for us in our everyday? And I want to begin with a definition of heaven that is given by Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem writes in. Systematic theology. He says heaven is the place where God most fully makes known His presence to bless. It is in heaven where God most fully reveals His glory and where angels and other heavenly creatures and redeemed saints all worship Him. And, and you know, what I see and what I hear and what I've received is I, people trying to encourage me, and often I've done the same thing, with just trying to stir hope about heaven, talking about heaven, because it is is—it is what Wayne Grudem says, but we, we see it as even more. It's this place where God most fully makes known His presence to bless. And often I hear talks about streets of gold and, and no night and no need of sun, no pain, no suffering, no tears. And, and that talk is good and that talk is right, and it has a very solid basis. But for those of us who are believers in Christ, believe it or not, and I hope you will believe this, we have something better than heaven to look forward to. We have something, something as, as great and glorious as heaven will be for us. We are children of God by grace, look forward to something far more glorious than, than just be relocated from earth to a heavenly place, we await glorification. Glorification. Not just heaven, but glorification. Now, what is glorification? Well, I'm going to go to Mr. Grudem again. He helps us just by giving us sound biblical definitions based on God's Word and the teaching of God's Word about these things. And Mr. Grudem says this, that glorification is the final step in the application of redemption. It will happen when Christ returns and raises from the dead the bodies of all believers for all time who have died and reunites them with their souls and changes the bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers at the same time perfect resurrection bodies like His own. That's better than heaven. Think about it. Think think about it. Just break it down a little bit. It's the final step in the application of redemption. That's what Mr. Grudem says. He said, well, that that sounds kind of technical, but here's what I want you to do. Plug in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about how God calls us unto salvation and then He makes us alive. And then all who are made alive are declared forgiven. They're declared righteous. And then they're fully adopted into God's family and they're united in and with Christ and they're made holy as Christ is holy. And then they look forward to this moment of glorification. It's this final step in the application of redemption. It's the final step. Part of the goodness of God's grace in salvation to us. And then there's this part of what Grudem says that's so helpful. He says it's giving all believers at the same time perfect resurrection bodies like his own. See, we're not merely to look forward to a change of address. We're to look forward to unbroken union with our Savior. And that's where the writer's Point to in the New Testament, and that's what we want to look at a little bit more this morning. Let's turn to First Thessalonians four if you haven't turned there yet. And here's part of what this will look like: this glorification. We will be with our Lord. That's that's what we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verses thirteen through eighteen. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. He says, "We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others." For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, we will be with the Lord. Those believers in Christ who have died will be raised from the dead. Think about that. No one will be forgotten. None. Old Testament saints go to a passage like Roman or Hebrews chapter 11. And read through the account of these Old Testament saints and think about some of the people that you've read about in your Old Testament, people like David and Samuel and Deborah and Ruth and Josiah, these different folks, they they will be raised. And New Testament saints, New Testament saints, I think about the unnamed yet faithful saints in the New Testament. They will be raised. Historical saints, you look at Fox's book of martyrs, you look at, at, at a book like maybe even uh, Jesus Freaks, which goes back even into the, the, the history, and you think about men like Wycliffe and Tyndale and Bunyan, you think about these folks, they will be raised. Think about family members of yours who will be raised. Whenever I was thinking about this, I began to think about my my grandmother and my grandfather. My mom and Pap-Pap. And Pap-Pap was a man who loved God. And I remember very clearly, I I can't remember, as a matter of fact, at all, any time that he didn't pray, that he didn't end his prayers with this, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. They'll be raised. My sister Tracy, who died of cancer back in 1990, she'll be raised. Aunt Mary, go on with just so many the present family members, family members who will be raised to be with Christ, and we think about brothers and sisters in Christ who will be raised from the dead. Whenever I was thinking about this, I was thinking about thinking about Bob Bell, J.J., Steve Murphy. And I thought about them because because these were men who welcomed me into this church. And somehow or another, sometimes in heaven, we get this picture that maybe those will be the people that will welcome us into heaven. But here's the reality of the picture we will join them in an eternal worship of the one who has saved us. I mean, it would be great. It's great to have the thought of, wow, they they would be there maybe. No, no, God's grace says there's something far greater. We'll be joining with them in an eternal worship. Those believers, dead in Christ, fallen asleep in Christ, they'll be raised and then believers in Christ who are still alive will be caught up so that not only will the dead not be forgotten, but all who are alive will not be left behind as well. Think about that. People of every age, every nationality, every continent raised together to glorify God. Oh. And together we'll be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. And you might say, well, Tom, that sure sounds like relocation to me. I mean, it sounds like that. I mean, even as you're talking, you're going with it. Yeah, because that's the way the Scripture reads. But, but, but it isn't just relocation. It is really pointed at our union with Christ. See, the point of what Paul is driving at is not a change of address. He's saying, and we will always be with the Lord. We will be with Jesus, united and inseparable. From Him. <laughs> Can you imagine what that will be like? Never to be separated from the presence of the Savior. Some of you are still recovering from a week of camp, and some of you are anticipating a day coming up here. And what happens in that there's this shared experience of life, and it's so cool to watch that happen, to observe that, where there's so much that's shared. And, and for me, as, as a pastor, it's, it's, it, you know, it's just neat to see Pittsburgh and Indiana and Altoona and that sharing together. But, but invariably what happens from that short little period of window, that short period of time, people that might not have even wanted to be in the same cabin will be crying about leaving by the end of those three days. And it's just, you know, it's an amazing change that God works and that's God's grace at work. But, but we know that feeling at week's end of wondering when will we next meet. Or maybe you know it as you've met and got together with a believer in Christ that you haven't seen for a while. And you sit down and you talk with them and as that time draws near to say goodbye again, you start to feel that in your heart. It's going to be a long time until I see them again. And we, we know the pain of separation right now, but that is not going to be heaven. So will we always be with Him," Paul says. "In Christ, with Christ, inseparable, inseparable from Him. We will always be with the Lord. This, this ought to stir our anticipation for Christ's return and our being with Him. But not only that, not only that, but we will also receive a resurrection body. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. will the presence of Christ but will also receive a resurrection body. And here's what Paul writes. He says, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? This is verse 35 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now don't read a lot of attitude into that foolish person part on Paul's there. I mean he he's just correcting, giving a necessary correction, but but what he's saying is listen, you've got to adjust your thinking here. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body as He has chosen each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. And there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And thus it is written, the first man Adam became a life, a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Speaking of Adam and Christ. But it's not the spiritual that's first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. You see, the body that we will have in heaven will be different from our present body. It will be totally fitting for the glorious existence that awaits us. That's what Paul is laying out here. He said you have the seed versus the plant. You have different flesh, different types of bodies, human and animal and bird and fish. You have heavenly and earthly. You have sun and moon and stars. But here is what he's driving at. Each is uniquely outfitted for its experience. God knows what we need for heaven. Let me just push the pause button here. This is where where hope begins to work for us. If God knows what we need, then He knows what we need now. The same purpose that goes behind the heavenly goes with your present situation. But we look forward to this heavenly resurrection body. Totally fitted for heaven. And it's necessary that we have a different body. If you were to go back to Exodus chapter 3, you would read about the encounter of Moses and the Lord. And Moses sees this bush that's burning but not consumed. He wants to step close. The Lord says, listen, don't. You need to take off your feet because you're on holy ground. And the reason that we need that resurrection body is we're going to be and the unrestrained holiness of God forever. Forever. And that's that's just the radical nature of heaven and our great need of the Savior. We are totally unfit and disqualified for heaven if left to ourselves. And apart from grace. And it's because of the devastating effect of sin. It's ruinous, it's degrading, it's disqualifying. But but here is the mercy of God to us. Not only that He forgives us, not only that He cleanses us, not only that He declares us righteous and secures us as His children by His grace, but He promises to us all that we'll need to forever enjoy His presence by His grace. And Paul said, listen, here's the difference this should make. Here's the difference. Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God's got you perfectly suited now to enjoy eternal life as you are right now. He'll do what's necessary for them, but what you do now matters for them. It's all of God. It's all of His grace. I mean, we're recipients of eternal life now. Not resurrection, not glorification, not there yet. That'll happen. But right now matters for them. Right now, invest in then. Right now is important. That's why we need to encourage one another. God's not done, but God will complete what he's begun. You know, faithful is he who called you will also do it. He's begun this good work in you, he will complete it. And so we encourage one another in this truth of what God's grace is doing in us and how God will finish that. What looks what we look forward to there. There's another phrase here about what Awaits us, just this idea of glorification, this God finishing this work. If you turn back to 1 Thessalonians, and we have this idea that we're going to be with Christ, we're going to have this resurrection body. But he also says this he says that we will obtain salvation. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 of 1 Thessalonians. You are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on a breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And God talks here about, in verse 9, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is this indicating that there's something lacking in our salvation? No, I mean, we have been fully saved by grace. We will never face His wrath. We will, God won't lose one of His children. But there are aspects of the fullness of God's grace which cannot be entirely or completely known until we are recipients of our resurrection body. Let me, let me try to illustrate this as best as I can. Up until probably about five or six years ago, Our TV viewing was limited to this little, the littlest of TV, probably not the littlest of TVs, but a very small TV. It might have been like seven inch diagonal, something like that. VCR player underneath. That's what we watched TV on. When we got high tech, we got a DVD player plugged into that and we just began to watch movies over and over again. That's that's all about all we do. And that was really what we had. We'd had that for about 10 years or so. And then about six, seven years ago, we had a big screen TV. Plugged the DVD player into it, watched the same movies, and it was like watching them for the first time. There's stuff that we never even knew happened. I mean, the sound quality, the whole picture was there, everything. Well, in a sense, that is what will occur for us in heaven. It's the same salvation. It's the same grace of God. But there will be further detail and there will be further delight. For all that you have received of God's grace to this point in your life as a child of God, get ready. It's going to blow you out. (laughs) You'll need that resurrection body. Because you will know and you will know I mean, it's incredible to begin to think. Now, listen, let's be very definite about this. The only, This is only possible through Jesus Christ. There is no other way for us to enter into heaven apart from Jesus Christ. We absolutely need Him. I mean, we need Jesus. We need the One who, who was born of a virgin, right? Fully God, fully man. We need the One who lived a sinless life. Never sinning and always doing what was right. And so then was able to willingly give Himself as a substitute for us. To pay the debt of sin for us. To cancel the debt of our sin. And to cancel the wrath. of Not just cancel it, but absorb and take the wrath of God that should have been mine. It should have been yours. That's what Jesus did in His death. And then He rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. Blow your mind to think about that. See, he rose from the dead. Sin was completely paid for. Death was defeated. Send it into heaven. We'll return. Gather us. We need Jesus. Jesus said it best. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The only way this is possible is by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, now you need to think, how have I responded to this message? Have I turned away from my sin? Have I recognized myself as I am separated from God apart from His grace? Have I turned from that and looked upon Jesus as He is, the only Savior? Your only hope of heaven is Jesus. Your only hope of forgiveness is Jesus. And for you who have done that, for you who God has saved, dear brother and sister in Christ, are you Are you still growing in this grace? I mean, this is an eternal grace of God to you. This is meant to change your life completely and forever. For all that you have known, for all that you have studied, for all that you have looked upon Christ, there's still more. And for all that you receive from Him, it doesn't drain Him one bit. I and mean, God wants us to press into His grace by His Spirit, by truth, making connection between His truths, and here, and, and encouraging one another in this work of God, this full and complete work of God. Of God. A work of God that will be with Christ. A work of God that will have this resurrection body. A work that we will see glories of grace that we have yet to fully see and appreciate. And, 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 a, and, a, and a grace, a glory that, that says this as well. Turn to 1 John. This is totally amazing to me. 1 John <clears throat> in chapter 2. <laughs> We're going to be like Jesus. We'll be like Him. We'll be like our Savior. As God completes this work, we will be like Jesus. Listen to what John says. He says, Now little children, abide in Him. Abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, You may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. And the idea here is, has lavished upon us. That we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Not just then, but now. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself, even as He, Christ, is pure. All the descriptions that John gives here point to a removal of sin from us and us from sin. Think about that. The flesh, the sin, the desires, that we battle. We're going to be like Him. It's not going to be there anymore. The external pressure, the lure, the temptation, it's gone. There's no room for that in the presence of Christ. The work of grace that God is doing right now will be complete. You will see the Savior and you will be like Him because of God's grace. And forever, always, always will be with Him. Wow. It's amazing. And you thought forgiveness and cleansing was something great. And it is. Thank God. Oh, thank God. But thank God as well that the work that He has begun will be completed. And it's permanent. I'm not going to do it now, but sometime today, you got to pull out your Bible and read Revelation 19 through 21. You just got to. And the reason why you have to is because it pictures best for us what that will look like when we're with Him. And it's amazing the journey from chapter 19 in Revelation. You begin into heaven. And in chapter 21, there's a new heaven and a new earth. And let me just give you the cliff notes. Whatever glories glories there are in heaven, Jesus outshines them all. Whatever biblical proportions you make, whether it's streets of gold or a city that is measured and radiantly beautiful, what happens is Jesus outshines them all. And then when you get into chapter 22, you find this river, life, and the Lamb. Jesus. Here's the thing. A couple, a couple of things I want to encourage you as brothers and sisters in Christ. What do you look forward to you look forward just to the end of our groaning with creation, the end of sin and temptation, the end of suffering, the end of death, the end of tears. Let me drive that question a little bit harder with the question that was posed by John Piper. Think about this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth, and all the food you ever liked, and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, and all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? That's a a question we need to ask. Because I think too often what happens is we shape heaven by what we perceive to be absent in heaven. And there will be many things gladly absent in heaven. But biblically, it's to be on who's present in heaven. And that we will forever be with him. Forever changed by His grace. Forever secured in Him and His grace. That's the kindness and goodness of God. And if you are here and you've never looked to Christ as Savior, I appeal to you, don't leave today without talking to someone that you might know (laughs) the joy of sins forgiven in the hope of heaven. And for you who have trusted in Christ, encourage one another in Christ and the certainty of what is yours in Him. Courage one another, strengthen one another, stir one another up, remind each other. The good news gets better. <laughs> do this as the worship team comes back up, as the band comes back up. Let's stand and pray. Oh God, how great is your grace. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for these truths and we thank you, God, for the work of grace for each who's here that has turned from sin and And maybe maybe we just see heaven faintly. But we see Jesus as a Savior. Lord, just keep working. Finish this work that You've begun. I know that that's Your purpose, God. Give us a hope rested in Jesus. Help us to stir one another with that hope. To stir one another to thanks to You, O God. We pray, God, work in the hearts of those who have yet to trust in Christ turn them from sin, that they might trust in Jesus and know the joy of forgiveness and the hope, the hope of heaven. Amen.